Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Are y'all ready for the word? Y'all ready for the word tonight? Uh, so turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9, uh, verse 15 through 16, and then also we're going to read chapter 10, verse 1. And so to give you some context uh, to this scripture, so where we pick up uh, during the time frame of Israel is that they have just gone through a season, or not season, uh, centuries of being uh, led by judges, being led by prophets, but Israel has never had a king before. And so the people of Israel um, approached Samuel, who was the prophet at the time, um, and they said, Samuel, we no longer want judges and prophets. We want a king for ourselves, uh, just like all the other nations um, at that time. And so they pleaded to God to, to give them a king, uh, for, to lead them. And uh, even though that was not what God wanted to do, he, uh, God said yes anyways. And so this is where we pick up in verse Samuel chapter 9, verse 15, and it reads this. It says, Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader over my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. Chapter 10, verse 1, a couple of verses later, it reads this. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of, of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight's message, Royalty. Royalty. Uh, let's pray tonight. Father, I thank you what you're doing in us tonight. I thank you what you're doing for us, Father. I thank you, God, that these uh, words, Father, that uh, are falling on open minds and soft hearts, God, that your Holy Spirit is being stirred up right now, Father. I thank you, Jesus. Uh, what you're doing um, tonight, God, what you're going to do in this, in this place, Father, is going to change lives, Father. And so I thank you for everything that you're going to do, that we're just faithful towards your voice. Also, God, I plead the blood of Jesus over the Texas Longhorns um, this weekend. And I, God, please bless Sam Ellinger and that we might beat Iowa State, Father, because we are having a tough season. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Uh, as a lot of y'all know, and it's a coincidence, we've got some TBI students in this place. Um, I, w- I was a TBI student about five years ago. And, um, but how God brought me there, a lot of people don't know. Uh, so during my high school season, uh, I, my lung, both my lungs collapsed, my left and right one. Uh, my left collapsed my sophomore year, and my right lung collapsed my senior year. And both times they put me in hospitals for uh, number of weeks, and both times I shouldn't have survived it, but by the grace of God, I did, and it was, it was, it was such a, a amen, yeah, by the grace of God, I did, and um, it's a really tough season of my life, and so after my senior year, and after me recovering from my uh, second collapsed lung, um, it's that summer, and I'm about to visit my sister Hannah, who at that time lived in Sydney, Australia, and it's the night before we were going to fly out, and it's the middle of the night, and I'm woken up by this sharp pain in my chest. And it's, it's this pain that I, was familiar to me because it's the pain you feel when your lung is collapsing. And I know I'm probably the only person in here who's had a collapsed lung, but it feels like your insides are being shrunk. And it's a pain that you remember and you don't forget 
and it's really sharp. And so I wake up to this pain in my lung collapsing, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm just so distraught, and I'm seeking after God. I'm, I'm saying, God, you know, please don't let this happen to me again. Like, I, I've been through this twice already. Like, please, God, do not let this happen. And so I'm praying to God that night, and I'm still feeling that pain. And finally, I pray to God. I say, God, if you take this pain away from me, if you stop this from happening, you know, my life is yours. Like, I, I will do whatever you want me to do. Whatever you take me, I will follow. And right when I said that, just like that, that pain left. It was awesome. It was awesome. You know, that, that, that pain left, and, and then I was like, ooh, like, that's, that's, that was cool. And uh, so I thank God for that. And then I went to, you know, Australia, had a great time. And then you fast forward uh, a couple months later, um, I am at uh, summer camp, discovery camp. And uh, so I'm at summer camp. It's, it's the last night of that camp. And during that whole camp, um, people have been asking me, um, because they knew I was a senior in high school, and my older sister, uh, Hannah, went to TBI, and so a lot of them knew me because of her, and so they're asking me, Caleb, um, you know, uh, Discovery Camp is this Texas Bible Institute summer camp, if y'all don't know, and so they're telling me during, throughout that entire camp, like, Caleb, you're going to TBI, right? And every time I'd be like, nope, I'm not going, you know, and then they would ask me again, because um, I had these plans already to be a civil engineer, and I had plans uh, to, to, you know, get my basic Victorian and transfer out to Texas Tech. Like, I had these plans that at the time I thought was God. And so during, that, during the entire camp, you know, multiple people were coming up to me and asking me, hey, Caleb, are you going to TBI? And every time I was like, no, no, and no. Well, it was the last day of the camp, uh, last night, and uh, they're having an altar call, and they ask people, hey, if you want prayer, come to the front. And I felt led by the Holy Spirit to come to the front, so I did. And uh, so I go to the front, and, you know, I'm just worshiping God, I'm, I'm, I'm just praying, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me, and he says, Caleb, I was like, yes, God, he's like, you remember when, you know, we made that deal a couple months ago, that, you know, if I healed you, you would do whatever you want me to do, and whatever I call you to do, I was like, yes, God, I remember that, and then he was like, well, I want you to go TBI, and then I was like, what, I was like, no, I was like, I'm like, come again, you know, like, is this really you, and uh, so, me and God are kind of having an argument. I'm like, God, I can't, like, what? I'm about to go start, you know, college classes the next week. Like, I have this whole plan. Like, why are you telling me this now? And so we're in this little argument, and, you know, my eyes are closed the whole time. It's like, God, like, I'm arguing with God. And then um, one of the uh, camp leaders steps up and starts praying over me. And he said, and he said, uh, he said, I don't know you, but he said, right now, God is trying to tell you something, and right now, you need to be obedient to him. And then right when he said that, um, I, got, I was, like, slain in the spirit. And um, when, when I was slain in the spirit, the Holy Spirit told me, he was like, is that confirmation enough you need? I was like, yes, that's enough what I need. And so I was like, yeah, that's, you know, God, okay, God, that's you. And so God won that argument. He always does. Uh, but uh, when I got back up, I just felt, um, and I'm going somewhere. I just felt the power of God come upon me uh, more than I ever felt in my life. And I went back to my youth group, and I started, you know, praying for people, and I started uh, prophesying over people, and I just started uh, praying for being led by the Holy Spirit and prayed for people to get, you know, baptized by the Holy Spirit and just watching God just do what he does best and watching the Holy Spirit move. And it was such an awesome moment. And I remember taking a step back and um, just watching God move and, um, and I was just in awe, and then the Holy Spirit told me, 
uh, you know, hey, if you follow after me, if you're obedient to my ways, uh, this is what I'll have you to do. I was like, thank you, Father. I was like, yes, I will follow you, you know, everywhere you want me to go. But I said all that is that what I realized is that, and God has done so much more through me, more than I could ever imagine, and praying over people, and is watching God use me. And But what I have realized more and more is that all these things don't happen because of me, right? It has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with God's anointing. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is God's anointing. That God's anointing is everything because just like speaking tonight, I, I could study my best. I could put together the best sermon and the best one-liners and the best everything. But if I step up here without God, I have nothing, right? If I step up here, thank you, Venus. If I step up here without the anointing, I have nothing, amen? Because the anointing is everything, And so a lot of people are confused about the anointing, and so I, I came up with a quick definition of it. If you turn your attention to the screen, it should be on there, is that all the anointing is, and that's not the right one, <laughs> all the anointing is, I'll go ahead and read it if they don't have it. This is the definition of the anointing. The anointing is the Holy Spirit being poured onto you and equipping you for the purpose that God has for you. i say that again. The anointing is the Holy Spirit being poured onto you and equipping you for the purpose that God has for you. So whenever you, you, we talk about God's anointing, all that is is the Holy Spirit coming upon your life and equipping you with things that you didn't have before so you could be aligned with his purpose and not only that but succeed in God's will. That's the anointing. But as we, as we realize this, that to have the anointing in your life, that you have to have an appetite for his anointing. You see, if we don't have an appetite for his, his anointing, if we don't have an awareness for his anointing, we can miss out. See, whenever we think about King Saul, right, we usually think about him in a negative way, right? We think about all the mistakes he made. We think about how um, all the wrong things he did later in his life and, and how he tried to, you know, kill David and all the mistakes he made. And there are many parallels between Saul and David, right? There are many, many parallels. You know, they are both rejected, both anointed to be king, um, but one retained the anointing, David, and then Saul rejected the anointing. Well, they were both anointed at one time. Um, but what happened to Saul happens to a lot of us, right? We, 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 we lose that appetite for God's anointing, and then eventually the oil burns out to the point where we no longer have that hunger anymore. So when we're talking about the anointing, is that God can only anoint you according to his purpose, right? The anointing didn't leave Saul. Saul left his anointing, right? So God can only anoint you for his will. So once you step outside of his will, you step outside of your anointing. Your anointing never leaves you, but you leave his anointing. See, people get confused and think, right, that the anointing, and this is what I used to think, that the anointing is only for a select few, right? That the anointing is only for uh, people who God had a special plan for and wasn't really for everybody else, and that it's only for pastors or whatnot. And I used to think that on my own. I said, oh, no, that's not for me. That's for so-and-so. That's for T.D. Jakes, right? That's not for me, right? That's what I used to think. But Acts 2.17 says this, in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy, right? Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So what I want to kick off tonight with is that if you don't think you are anointed, you are anointed. It's all right, guys. They have to make curfew at TBI. If you don't think you are anointed, you are anointed. If nobody's told you that you have a purpose on your life, let me tell you something. God has a purpose on your life. The only, the only activation that you need is the anointing God puts on you. You don't need anything else except for God to be on your life. See, I just want to tell you all that if you've never been told that you are called to a greater purpose and that, that, that Jesus has a plan for you and that you do have anointing resting on your lives. So are you all ready for more scripture? So as we continue on, so this is, in, we're going to continue with 1 Samuel chapter 10, uh, verse 9 through 12. And uh, this is right after Saul gets anointed. And, we're gonna, and this is where we pick up right after uh, Samuel anoints Saul to be king. In verse 9, it says, as Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. And when Saul and his servant arrived in Gebeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. And when the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. And when those who knew Saul heard about it, they explained, what? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standers said, can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? So this is the origin of the saying, is even Saul a prophet? You see, the first point for tonight is that the anointing activates your potential. You see, man, you might be able to receive elevation from man, but you can only receive transformation from God. Amen? Y'all agree with me? You see, man might be able to change the outside, but only God can change the inside. And so when the anointing comes upon you, it transforms you into somebody who you can never, who you can never ever to be able to become on your own. Sorry, a little, I, I started a little bit. When the anointing comes on you, it enables you to become somebody who you couldn't become on your own. That's what the anointing does. And so when the anointing came upon Saul, it activated his potential. And the only way you can reach your true potential is to have the anointing on your life. So it said in Scripture that God gave Saul a new heart. He said God gave Saul a new heart. Who's, who's thankful that we serve a God of creation, not stagnation, right? A God of creation, not stagnation. So when the anointing comes upon you, you can't stay the same person who you are. When anointing comes upon you, things have to change, and you change into a new creation. And that's why people say, I, you know, when they, they come to me and say, I don't have all the tools. I don't have all the characteristics or the talent or the money or the friends. But then if you have the anointing, God can make all those things new and create what you didn't have and make it a reality. That's what the anointing does. And so a lot of times when the anointing comes upon you, Right, you don't stay the same, but you could become something entirely new, something that you couldn't become on your own. So the way that you know when you are starting to walk in your anointing is that you look at your actions, and they're not the same as they are, right? You begin to walk a little bit different. You begin to talk a little bit different, right? Your actions, your habits are totally changed. That's when you know you're walking in your anointing because your old man is dead, right, and your new man has come alive. That's how you know when you're in his anointing. 
And it said that the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he began to prophesy. And it said powerfully upon, upon Saul. And it said that the people who knew Saul before looked at him and said, who is this guy? Right? Is this the same Saul we grew up with? Is this the same Saul who we knew before? They, they looked at him and said, something is different about this guy. So much so that they said, how can Saul, the son of Kish, become a prophet? Right? How can Saul become a prophet? This is what I love about God is that he is no respecter of persons, right? It doesn't matter who your dad is. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are or nationality. It doesn't matter how much you have in the bank account, right? God doesn't respect all those things. He looks at your heart. And once the anointing comes on you, it's for you. It's not just for people with a certain family or certain background. It's for you. God and his spirit will come upon you no matter what. And see, when when God's anointing comes upon you, people who knew you before will know that something's different, right? When God's anointing comes upon you, people who knew you before, like people who knew Saul before, they will start thinking, hey, something's different about this guy. They'll, they'll, they'll look at you and say, hey, how is this person now all of a sudden so successful? How is this person now? How are you such a great mom now? Right? How are you such a great father now? How have you become such a great student and you'd be able to look at him and say, hey, that has nothing to do with me. Something has changed on the inside of me. And it's not because of me. It has everything to do with God. Amen? See, without the anointing, you will never be able to walk in your true potential. See, the anointing is what gives you access to the power of God. And that's what so, what I realize is that that's why we have to have the anointing. Because if you don't have the anointing, you don't have anything. And But when you walk in an anointing, what you thought you were incapable of, God makes you capable to do it. And that's why you have to be so, so apparent on the anointing. Because if you want God to use you, you have to have God's power with you. Amen. Amen, church. Let's give, let's give Jesus a shout of praise just for that. So as we, as we continue with scripture, and so Saul's been anointed by God, and things are going great for him, and he's prophesying, he's a totally new man, but we begin to see some things that happen in his life, and some decisions that he made, and he began to step outside of his anointing. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13, uh, verses 5 through 14. And uh, this is a little bit of scripture, but uh, we'll get through it quick. And it reads this. It says the Philistines mustered, or let me give a little, uh, little background. Um, so Israel uh, led, is being led by King Saul now, and this is really his first test in battle uh, where the numbers are against him. And so this is where we pick up. It says the Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at Michmash, east of Beth Haven, and the men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. And because they were pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. So some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gigal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. As Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering 
and the peace offerings, and Saul sacrificed the burnt offerings himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offerings, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to meet and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my man scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would, and the Philistines are at McMass ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you, and you kept it. Have you kept it? The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You see, there are a lot of parallels between King Saul and King David. You see, as we know, Saul was the first king over Israel, and David was the second king over Israel. And the first time that we actually see David being referenced to in Scripture is in that verse 14 where he says that there is a new leader who is sought, who's seeking after the Lord's own heart, and that is Samuel referring to David already. And, but here's the thing that's the difference was between David and Saul was that David valued the anointing above everything. David valued the anointing above everything. That's the second point for tonight is that we got to value the anointing above everything. You see, in the scripture we just read, Saul was more concerned and was more worried about losing his followers than he was losing God. And he was more caught up in that, and he put more of losing followers higher than he was losing God, and he missed out on his anointing. But on the flip side, David was always more concerned about losing God than he was about losing anything else. David always said, you know what, I'm going to put your anointing above everything. I might lose someone on my left, I'm on my right, but God, I'm not going to lose your anointing. And that's why David retained it. See, because what I've learned is what you are willing to lose determines what you truly love, right? Whatever you determine to lose determines what you truly love. And it reminds me of a story, right, of a boyfriend and this girlfriend in the backseat of a car, and they're, and they're driving, and he has his phone in one hand and his girlfriend's hand in the other, and then all of a sudden the car starts hydroplaning, and they end up in a ditch, and his eyes are closed, and when he opens them, he sees that both his hands are on his phone, right, because he was more rather protecting his phone than he was protecting his girlfriend, and that showed that he was more willing to lose his girlfriend than his phone, showing that he truly loved his phone, and then that got into an argument later after that. But that it shows what you're willing to lose determines what you truly love. See, David had this mindset that said, it doesn't matter who it separates me from or puts me with. I'm going on with God, right? I'm going on with God's ways and God's anointing. And that's the mindset that we have to take on. Because David said, you know what? I could lose battles. I could lose relationships. But I'm not going to lose the anointing from God. Amen, church? I'm not going to lose the anointing from God. See, both David and Saul were anointed to become king, and both of them made mistakes. You read, both David and Saul made mistakes, but only David retained the anointing because he valued the anointing above all else. It says Saul was waiting on the Lord to show up, right? It says Saul was waiting on the Lord to show up. He's waiting for Samuel to show up. He never did, so he got impatient, and then he tried to do it himself. Saul's response to fear was 
doubt and disbelief in God. See, something I realized is that giving into fear will always get you out of your anointing. And we're looking at the parallels between Saul and David right now. You see, when, when Saul approached fear, he, he reacted with doubt and disbelief in God, and he got impatient, and, it says, and he stepped outside of God's will. But I want you all to see this scripture. This is David's response to fear. And I want you all to look, take a look at this in Psalm chapter 27, verse 3 through 4. It says this. It says, though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will never be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. You see, David's response to fear was not pushing God further, was bringing God closer to him. Amen? Amen? So as long as... This is this, David's mindset was, as long as I got God's anointing, I have no reason to fear. Amen. Can we give Jesus a hand clap? Because we got, as long as he's with us, as long as God's anointing is on us, there is no reason to fear. We have to be like David and say, although that a thousand might fall at one side and, and 10,000 at my right side, I'm not going to take my eyes off you, but I'm going to follow above your, after your anointing because your anointing, it's above everything. Amen. Are y'all getting this tonight? So let's continue with scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 17 through 23. And so we're starting to see that Saul is starting to make the wrong decisions. And to kind of give you some context some context in, in uh, this scripture. So God had just told Saul um, to uh, attack the Amalekites and to... Uh, uh, attack them and take over uh, their land and their possessions. And he said, once you defeat them, he said to kill everybody. He said, kill every man, every woman, every child. And he also told them to kill all the livestock and not to bring anything back for yourself. So this is, so this is what God told Saul before the scripture. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17 to 23, it, it says this. And Samuel told him, uh, and Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord has sent you on a mission and told you, go and complete, completely destroy the sinners of the Amalekites until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Samuel said, why did you rush for the plunder and do what is evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. The third point for tonight is this, is that the anointing is attached to obedience. The anointing is attached to obedience. So he saw, heard the commandments from God, and he heard what he told him to do, but he tried to do God's will his way. One way to get yourself out of God's anointing is trying to do what he told you to do on your own desire, right, by your own instruction. You're trying to do God's will your way, and that will never work. 
See, God's anointing is always aligned with God's will. And so when you step outside of God's will, you're stepping outside of your anointing. Because one thing I realize is that disobedience offends your anointing, right? Disobedience offends your anointing. Who's ever made a mistake or who has made a wrong decision? And then right after you made that mistake or wrong decision, you feel so convicted in your spirit, right? You, you feel like, you, feel like you, you stepped outside and you feel so convicted and it almost feels like you have a pit in your stomach and you're saying, hey, what I just did, I need to repent and get back in the will of God. Amen, right? Because something I, I learned is that when you're disobedient, you're offending your own anointing. And what people do is they keep on being disobedient and disobedient and disobedient to the point where they are no longer have the awareness that they're offending their anointing. And they lost total awareness, and they don't even know they're outside the will of God. Because all of a sudden, they've, they've been on that path so long that their conviction has totally left. And although they're doing things that they shouldn't do, they don't even have that conviction to go back and turn back. That's when you know right, you totally have stepped out your anointing because you don't even have the conviction to get back in God's will. And this is where Saul was going. He wasn't even realized, realizing he was doing the wrong thing. And it, says, after the, and it says this, after Saul defeated the Amalekites, Scripture says that he began to build monuments to himself. It said right after Saul uh, defeated them, he said he, he got all their gold and, and he started making monuments to himself. And the quickest way to lose the anointing that God has given you is when you start taking glory from God and start putting it on yourself. When you're saying, hey, you know what, I've reached a place where I need to start taking credit for what's going on around me. That's the quickest way to lose your anointing because only the meek maintain the anointing. If you ever read scripture and you, and you look into the life of David, you realize this man made so many mistakes. But every time he made a mistake, you always knew where to find David, right? He was on his hands and knees, and he was seeking after God. And he was saying, I made a mistake, Father. I, I, I humble myself before you. I know what I did is wrong, but, Father, please don't take your anointing from me. And I believe that's how he retained his anointing from God. You see, you, start, you begin to lose the anointing when you take the attention off of God and you start putting it on yourself. You ever know those, peop those people who start taking credit for God's will, right? That's the quickest way to step outside of your anointing. You see, Saul started taking credit for what God was doing. Matthew 23 says, whoever exalts themselves will be humbled, but whoever humbles themselves will be exalted, right? The anointing only rests on the humble. Amen, church? And so, it said in what we just read that Saul was arguing with, with Samuel, trying to plead his case. He's trying to tell Samuel, hey, what I did wasn't wrong. You know, because I, I know God told me to, to kill all the livestock, but we, we, we spared them because we wanted to sacrifice them to you. And he was arguing with Samuel. But Samuel responded with something that's so powerful that, that you could just speak on for hours. Samuel responded with, obedience is better than sacrifice. And what that spoke to me is that present obedience is better than future sacrifice, right? Listening to God now is better than trying to make up for it later. And that's what Saul was trying to do. He said, he said hey, although I know I'm not listening to you right now, don't worry about it, God, because although I'm not listening to you, I'm going to sacrifice these things that I took towards you, so I'm going to make up for it. And, and Samuel looked at him and said, no, obedience is better than sacrifice, Listening now is better than listening later. 
being obedient now is better than being obedient later, right? See, what Saul was trying to say, he's saying, I won't follow your will exactly now, but later I will. And a lot of times we can get caught up in, in that and, and, and we try to be obedient to God when it's most convenient. And, and we say, I'll follow after God's will when it's convenient for me later. I, I know what I'm doing right now isn't right, but later, don't worry, later I'll straighten up my path and, and it'll all be good, God. I know I'm not doing it right now, but later I will be. And we make these decisions to be disobedient now because we think we can make up for it later. But what Samuel told Saul is that obedience is better than sacrifice. Because some, sometimes we can say, hey, I'll, I won't tithe now, right, but I'll tithe later when I have more finances. Or, or I, won't, I won't, you know, uh, be kind to this person now. Or, or I won't take the time to stop and talk to this person now. But later, don't worry, I'll make up for it. We have to realize that a lot of times that later, it never comes. That later, it never comes. Because here's the thing, we don't serve a God of later, we serve a God of now. See, amen? We don't serve a God of later, we serve a God of now. Because I'm telling you, church, right now, there are hurting people in our neighborhoods. Right now, there are people who need Jesus, who never heard of his love in your workplace. Right now, there are people in this room who need a breakthrough from God. Right now, they need it. Not later, but right now. And let me tell you, we serve a God right now. So let's not wait till later. We can start right now. See, God's presence can enter this room right now. Miracles could take place right now. Right? Your breakthrough can happen right now. See, we serve a God, right, of creation. So it doesn't matter what's going on. God could snap his fingers and things could totally turn around. We serve a God of right now. Are you, do you agree with me, church? Do you agree with me, church? We serve a God of right now. So as, as I close, Haley, if you want to join me, and would you all stand to your feet? I want to close with this scripture, 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 21 through 22. And it says this. It says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Set his seal of ownership upon us. And put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Guaranteeing what is to come. What I want to leave you all with, and I know it was misspelled for a reason is that we are royalty. We are royalty. And the reason why I put that I instead of an A, because God's anointing is our inheritance. Let me say that again. God's anointing is our inheritance. Once you have accepted Jesus in your heart, right, once you have pleaded Jesus Lord over your life, and once you have let the, the Holy Spirit take over your life, your inheritance is God's power. We are royalty. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what decisions you think you did or decisions that you have done, what you think you've done wrong. Once we accept Jesus in our heart, we are royalty like that because his anointing is our inheritance. In Acts chapter 2, before the disciples could go into all the world, right, what did Jesus tell them? He said, wait, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. What were they waiting for? They were waiting for the anointing. Before we can do anything God has called us to do, we have to make sure, right, that we have the anointing on our lives. But I want to encourage you tonight that we are royalty, that God's anointing is our inheritance. 
that want to accept Jesus in our heart and we've, we've got, experienced the baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that anointing is ours. We have inherited it. Nobody gives it to us, but God gives it to us. And the anointing is for us all. So before we, we end tonight, I just want us to sing this psalm, and I want to welcome in God's presence, and I want us to get back to the place where we value the anointing over everything. I want us to get back to that place where saying, God, I don't care what separates me from or puts me with. I want to stay aligned in your anointing. I want to welcome the Holy Spirit in this place because I believe that it can happen now. It doesn't have to happen later, that it can happen right now. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.